Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season two of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab, the Nakabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I am well, thank you for asking. How are you? Excellent. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. Thank you for joining us today, sister, for the Naqabi Diaries. Could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? My name is Amatullah Dakariana Curry. I am a travel uh, long-term care LPN as well as a licensed cosmetologist. A licensed what, sorry? Cosmetologist. Oh, cosmetologist. Oh, mashallah. Cool. Yes. Mashallah. Okay, so um, sister, could, if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about your Islamic background and um, how you started to wear the niqab? So I was introduced to Islam at 13, um, practicing, you know, as a young child, and I became serious about practice when I was 19. Um, as far as niqab, I just started to wear it last year, actually. Um, and in January, I was thinking of like things to do to elevate my Islam and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get on a journey in that regard so then I I don't know I had actually I just had a dream one day that I wore niqab I'm like oh that's strange and then the next day I like went on a hunt to find a niqab and I was introduced to a sister locally um she actually sells them from her home and I bought my first one from her um and I got a a two-piece jilbab from her Uh and alhamdulillah I just started wearing it then um and I never took it off since then. So I've been wearing it for sister. about a year and a half. MashaAllah, yeah. that's amazing. So sister, sorry, you mentioned that you're a revert to Islam. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so if you don't mind, would you give us some of your revert story? And like you said, that Islam was introduced to you at the age of 13. So how 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 did that go? Because obviously that's quite a young age. So could you share with us some of that, if, if that's okay? So my best friend in elementary school was African, uh, mm-hmm. East African, and uh, I used to spend a lot of time with her, and she was so disciplined, so mild-mannered, and things like that, and, you know, I started to um, adapt to her character. I was I spent a lot of time at her house with her family, and, you know, uh, Islam was a part of their household, you know, that's it's a way of life, so the part, big part of their household, and so at that age, it, it just made sense to me. And I feel like no matter what age you are, when you find the truth, you can't deny the truth. And alhamdulillah, I took my shahada and all by myself, no mom, no dad, really? you know, to, to teach me Islam. Yeah. SubhanAllah. So how did your parents take it? Did you tell them that you'd become Muslim? Yeah, my dad was super supportive. Um, I actually lived with him at the time. Um, he was super supportive. He had to like write a letter to my school so I could wear hijab Mashallah. and everything like that. Um, so it was it was a it was a nice easy transition in the beginning and then um, actually my dad passed away about a year year and a half later and so when I went to go live with my mom it was definitely trials and tribulations when it came to hijab and practicing Islam and things like that 
So um, I guess on the surface, I walked away from it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I became of age to do what I wanted to do, you know, I, um, at the age of 19, you know, being out on my own and things like that, you know, again, when you find the truth, no matter how old you are, you can't deny it. So my heart was inclined to Islam. So I just came back and started practicing. SubhanAllah, that's amazing because, you know, it's like you, you it just reminds me of that hadith, the one about the ones who, um, you know, spend their youth for the sake of Allah. So it's really amazing mm -hmm. that at an age where so many people would probably be seeking other things, um, you, right. came, you, you know, you, you just kept, you know, coming back to Islam all the time. So SubhanAllah, what, what was your, what would you say was your trigger to kind of um, bring you back to keep practicing or was it did you always have contact with that East African friends like was that helpful in um, yeah you? we always had contact we definitely kept in contact it wasn't like um like regular contact but we were always friends you know mm -hmm. and and every time we would link up you know every time we would reconnect there was no like it was like we never skipped the day of talking yeah. to each other that love was always there mashallah so um, that was definitely instrumental but no I think I think when I was 19 it was definitely a self-search like um, self-journey because we know that who Allah guides nobody can misguide mm -hmm. so. Alhamdulillah so would you say that as a revert um, like what what kind of thing do you think especially being Muslim at such a young age what do you think was most instrumental to you from the aspects of the Islamic community in kind of keeping you um you know kind of grounded in your islam or keeping that kind of you know that your attachment to islam how what do you think is you know just for like the listeners obviously because people interact with new muslims you know sometimes and they don't know maybe what you know, how they should behave or what kind of support they should give so what do you think was most instrumental for you i think it's just interesting and and um necessary to to have people around you that are supportive, like to find a good group of sisters and kind of cling to them, you know, in a way that you still have your own mind, but, mm -hmm. you know, to have people who, who, I guess you want to be like, you know, something to strive after. Um, and then also, you know, uh, people that know more than you, because, you know, we can't teach ourselves certain things. Um, you need, you need other people in the community. So I definitely think that finding a good community of sisters to be around is important um it's actually vital you know mm -hmm. we, we have to keep our communities going um and then alhamdulillah where i live you know there's a lot of good classes and things at the masajid here so um just diving right into those and you know trying to keep active in the community is very important so is it in your community um would you say that it's like mostly reverts or like broad muslims or is it just a good mix it's actually a really good mix so um just more on the niqab you said you started wearing it not last year um when you on a practical level okay would you say that you found it easy to wear it because you did say that you just put it on because you had a dream that you'd worn it and obviously the desire was kind of there already but how did you find it from the practical sense was it something that you, you felt you kind of had to get used to or you just felt comfortable with it straight away so <laughs> Allah was super merciful in my case, and I don't expect everybody's journey to be like this. Actually, I don't know a journey like this, but you know, COVID-19 came and everybody was covering their face. So and that was two months after my journey. So I, as I said, you know, I'm a nurse. So even uh, before COVID came, I used to wear my niqab to work, take it off at the time clock, put it back on at the time clock, and that was just it, you know? 
Um, I already was wearing like scrub skirts and things like that. So I didn't have to worry about pants or anything. Mm. Uh, you know, um, that would be less modest. So that was easy. And then, like I said, the pandemic came. So everybody was covering their face. So I think that that was a lot being merciful for me. So if I ever had the desire like, oh, this may be difficult or, you know, uh, that this could be a hardship or anything like that it was taken away with COVID because literally everybody around me is covering their face so that's kind of been my story um you know even on those hot days you know Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that we have you know everybody's covering their face so you know why not wear niqab Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, it's definitely a good opportunity. So, um, would you say that in your community, like, did you have like obviously everybody was wearing their car, but you know, in your family circle, um, coming from a revert background, would you say that, you know, there was any obstacles from anybody you wearing it, even though people have been covering their face a lot? I have spoken to some sisters who they have still kind of faced, you know, some kind of discrimination from people in their community for when the niqab specifically and obviously in a, in countries like France for example where the um, face mask has been made mandatory the mm-hmm. niqab is actually still banned anyway so you know there is there's still a difference between the niqab itself and a face mask for obviously some people because you're recognizably Muslim so would you say that there's kind of been any um, you know obstacles from anybody in your family or anything like that? Um. I wouldn't say that I've experienced obstacles. I definitely would say that I've had a lot of chance to give dawah because of it. You know, hey, why do you wear that? You know, um, even I go into work with niqab. I don't go into work with a mask. You know, obviously I'll put my mask on at the start of my shift and things like that. So I definitely um, have the chance to uh, uh, give a lot of information as to why I chose to wear it and, you know, mm-hmm. why we as Muslims, you know, uh, some of us choose to wear it. Um, but as far as like, you know, um, hate or like, uh, you know, why you got that thing on, you know, I've actually only experienced that once. And ironically enough, that was in Egypt. I had a man tell me that we don't have to wear that, you know, uh, (laughs) things like that, but no, I don't get that at home. And I think that that's, I guess, cause I'm just so active in my community and like, I don't let any cops stop me, um, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, some people think that, okay, if you wear any cops, you gotta be like, just this little shy person that doesn't say nothing doesn't do anything um and not that I'm just like you know out here in everybody's face but you know I'm I'm active in my community um I'm active as a nurse you know I travel to many different places um you know both through nursing and then um in my personal life and then I still ride my bike in any time yeah you know so I think that just you know because of who I am you know that I show people that you know just because I cover it doesn't mean that I'm just you know kept away Mm -hmm. um I think that that's part of maybe part of why I don't experience uh you know other hardships that other people may have to uh, go through so um sister um you mentioned that you've traveled so what what was your experience when the niqab traveling oh uh, it was it wasn't bad it it was i think egypt was the worst place actually really um yeah and it's so ironic because you wouldn't think that you know sometimes mm. be whatever whatever but it, it was kind of difficult there but even i went with non-muslims from uh, I've been to Indonesia as well as Egypt. Um, uh, those are my recent travels with mm-hmm. Niqab. And 
I didn't get any problems. You know, um, they they'll pat you down a little extra, but it wasn't like uh, you know where I felt like embarrassed or threatened mm. or anything like that. You know, as long as you just comply. I haven't had any issues and I've been through so China was, it, was it with females as well? Do they make sure you get seen by females at the airport? Yes. 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 So can you can, no. can you tell us like of some of your experiences in Egypt? Because you mentioned that you did have like, you know, maybe the most positive. I just, I mean, I don't know if it's because I went with my family and, you know, um, a good group of them are not Muslim. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess our dress was super stark contrast, but, you know, rather than encouraging them to cover up, it was like I was experiencing uh, being encouraged to not cover up so much, you know, it's mm -hmm. very um, westernized, I guess you would say. So mm -hmm. like a lot of people in like, you know, small pants and things like that, which, you know, whatever you wear, what you wear, but also I should be allowed to wear what I want to wear. Yeah, I didn't feel that support that I was kind of hoping to feel, you know, as an African-American, you know, from America, uh, you know, you, ex you have certain expectations when you go to Muslim countries and uh, unfortunately, I was a little disappointed in that sense. So, um, sister, um, in that sense, would you like describe the Nekab as a barrier? Mm, I wouldn't describe it as a barrier at all. Um, I think that it's a part of my identity and everybody's not going to like every part of your identity. So I think Definitely. that that's the best way to describe it. Alhamdulillah. You know? So um, can you... Do everything that you know. People that don't wear niqab do, um, you know, um, within reason, of course. Um, like you know, I've hiked the volcanoes and oh, things really? like that in niqab. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Where, where uh, in which country? In um in Indonesia. So I went to Bali and we hiked we hiked Mount Batur. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool experience. So on as on a practical level as well, I have to ask you like how did you find that with wearing the face covering because you was outside anyway. So even with COVID, I would assume that people don't have to cover their faces outside, or is or did they have no, to? No, they well? don't. So um, so so from the fitness level and. How do you, how did you, how because a lot of the time, you know, with some Muslims, for example, who are interested in fitness and sports, you know, hiking, these kind of things. I mean, I know, th I know there's other um, Nakabi sisters who do like, you know, do these kind of activities, but often, you know, maybe some young Muslims, for example, they feel that if that's their interest, that the Nakab would be something that would prevent them or get in the way of them being able to do such activities. So how do you work around those? For me, it's like finding the right fit of niqab. So like, you know, um, a half niqab with um, with certain activities might be more practical. Um, and then you might do a one layer niqab for other activities. Maybe you'll do a lighter niqab for, you know, like running or something like that. I wouldn't mm. wear like a thick one, you know, but something that won't, st you know, still will, will be um, not see-through, you know, um, mm -hmm. but also, you know, gives me that level of breathability. I think that that's important, um, knowing that there's different type of niqabs out there. And then, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, I, I would say, you know, start off small and start off where you feel comfortable at. And then, you know, you just, you got to realize that you're going to be visible regardless, yeah. you know, to the to the community. And you have to decide that, you know, if, that, if that's something that you're going to be okay with. Or if it's something that you're not going to be okay with, then you kind of go from there, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So have you always been interested in like physical fitness and like these kind of things, hiking and stuff? No, I actually got into it over the last few years. Okay. Um, 
definitely with the climate of COVID, you know, you don't really have anything else to do. So you kind of go out, you go hiking and things like that um, to keep sane, really. And I have a four-year-old son, so you have to do things to keep your children active. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that neither one of you go crazy. So we go hiking a lot. That tires them out. You know, we have a good time while we're doing it. And, and that's, that's why we... That's why we do it as a family. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's, that's great because it's good to keep fit, definitely. And I think it's important for Muslims because especially when we cover, sometimes, you know, we can make the excuse that, you know, we're not being seen, you know, or sometimes forget right. about our physical selves in that sense, you know. Right. Which obviously it's, it's not like, you know, it's not really like valid to think like that. We shouldn't because we still need to give ourselves, you know, our bodies the, the rights that it deserves. So, I definitely get that a lot. That's so funny because I'm actually in the um, beauty industry as well, you know, I'm a cosmetologist. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, why do you bother doing your hair? You know, nobody's going to see it anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, I got to look in the mirror still at the end exactly. of the day. You still got a permit. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, yes, so can you talk a little bit about you know the your cosmos cosmetology um work how do you balance that and nursing as well because you seem like really quite an active and busy person and you've got is a family as well yes so i worked in a salon for a few years um i actually just came out of the salon in 2019 um so now i work from home um i work like maybe five days a month um, with my clients uh, doing hair because mm -hmm. they usually uh, do long-term hairstyles mm -hmm. so uh, it's not something that I have to commit to like on the weekly basis or anything like that so it works out well for me um, they just come into my home I service women only um, and it's a really private like atmosphere and it works out well you know uh, so would you say that your clients are mostly non-muslim yes okay alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so these are long-term clients that you've had, I take it? Years, yes. Okay. Cool. The people that wouldn't let me just quit and retire mm. <laughs> when I left um, the salon. Well, that means I'm like, like okay, yeah, that you're good. not doing everybody's hair. Yeah, alhamdulillah. They're like, oh, you know, you, you, you're not doing everybody's hair, but you got to still do mine. <laughs> wow, mashallah, mashallah. <laughs> So, um, sister, like, would you say, um, since you started to wear the niqab, do you feel that there's a difference between how you get treated now, previously to when you was just wearing the hijab? And would you say in general, in the community, from your perspective, even with COVID now, and, you know, obviously people wearing masks is becoming more common, but would you say um, you've noticed a difference um, between how hijabis get treated to niqabi sisters, for example? Um, for my personal journey, I feel like I'm treated better. Um, I think that's because it's a reminder for myself first. Um, so, you know, character is uh, something that you're more mindful of because you definitely represent a people. Whereas for me before, you know, maybe my dress was, a, it could be a little bit ambiguous. You know, some days, you know, we have the options of turbans, mm -hmm. and, you know, pants, display, whatever, whatever. And then I'm, I don't know if people do this, but for me personally, like I, I retired all of those things once I started wearing niqab. So I feel like you have no other option but to like judge me based off of my character now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, just to be like more mindful of the way that I carry myself now. So it's been nothing but positive. Like, honestly, like I know, you know, so many people have like struggle stories and things like that with niqab, but you know, I don't want to say a, a specific thing saved me or anything like that, but it definitely has um, 
made my life better. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And have you met other sisters who are, um, you mentioned that some people have had like, you know, struggle stories with wearing the niqab. So have you met any sisters, for example, who might have reached out to you or in your community or online who they really want to wear the niqab, but they, they're being prevented from wearing it perhaps, or maybe you don't feel confident to wear it? Yes, I actually do know a few people, um, either that wear it and are not afforded the same opportunities as myself or people who are afraid to wear it, you know, because of, you know, being in the nursing field or, you know, uh, what society might think. Um, I definitely have experienced that. And uh, my, my like, advice to them, and it will always be, you know, you just, you have to please your Lord and do what you feel mm. is right in that sense. And that's what comes first. Like, even with work, like, you know, people have simple things like, they can't pray on time at work because they're afraid that, you know, say, for example, we're nurses. So they scared somebody's going to code, you know, you know, uh, go into cardiac uh, yeah. arrest or something like that. Well, I mean, if that was ordained for them, they're going to do it regardless of if yeah, you're praying. Or not. And, you know, if it's meant for you to save them, you can save them after you pray. That's how I feel. Yeah. And uh, I feel that way about niqab. Like, you know, you're going to have these obstacles, maybe with or without it. And you just got to decide what, what, what you're going to take and what you're going to do with that. Because, you know, we, Allah gave us the privilege of being on this earth, not the other way around. Mm. You know, as far as jobs go, Allah gave us these jobs. These jobs didn't allow us to practice Islam. Exactly. SubhanAllah. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. You touched on, you know, praying at work and things like how, how you managed to work around it, you know, being a nurse, because obviously it's quite a full on job. And are there, mm-hmm. are there other Muslims as well working in the hospital that you work? There are. I've actually inspired a couple of people, not intentionally, but a couple of people like, oh, my God, where'd you get those scrub skirts from? Even non-Muslims, are, you know, they want to dress more modest at work because mm-hmm. the scrub pants are getting tighter and tighter. So, yes. you know, they're inspired to wear scrub skirts and, you know, things like that. Um, have told a couple of people that worked where I've the facility I'm working at now you know they've been there longer than me and they didn't even know where they could pray at and it's just mm-hmm. like subhanAllah like I, I I just thank God that I'm not like tested with these things mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah SubhanAllah so ha- have you met any sisters in your community of Muslims there that have been forced into wearing the niqab? Mm-hmm. Actually, I wouldn't say force. I would say maybe they started for themselves, but now they can't take it off. Oh, okay. Um, so, w- w- yeah. what what would you think? What's the reasons behind that? Do you think? Um, husbands. Mm. So yeah. maybe there is 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 a case where maybe the sister started wearing it before marriage, and then they got married, and then the husband mm-hmm. likes them with the niqab. So it's just like, no, you can't take it off now because that's what right. I need to be doing. Right okay right but I think that they don't really want to take it off I Mm. think they just want to try to get a different job Mm. and they're having some obstacles with that okay may Allah make it easy for them and uh sister um what kind of advice would you give to those sisters um you know like yourself revert sisters or otherwise who they really want to wear the niqab um but they just feel afraid about wearing it I would say put it on one day see how you feel you know it's not it's not a race Mm -hmm. um you know you put it on for a couple of days and you decide maybe it's not for you right now then Mm. mashallah you know maybe it's not for you right now but 
you'll never really know unless you try to wear it. You yeah, know? and I would say that wearing it is not the end all be all. So you know, maybe Allah knows best, and it's not for everybody. But you know, I feel like if Allah placed it in your heart to even what is the word like um, want to wear it or put mm-hmm. it in your heart to want to wear it, that you know, you should you should honor yourself and and do just that. You know, give it a try. Yeah, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. So um finally, sister, um, I'll ask you, what does the niqab mean to you? Uh, at this point, it's pretty much a part of my identity. Um, for me, it's it's a symbol of my faith, um, as well as uh protection of my modesty. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, it allows me to think before I do certain actions. Mm. Um, because I'm wearing a niqab and I'm representing the whole people, uh, not just myself, you know. Uh, we we know that Islam is perfect and the Muslims are not, but also we have to conduct ourselves in a certain way to to remind ourselves that it's not okay to do certain things. SubhanAllah, I definitely can can agree with that. I really think that's a, that's an important point that you mentioned because I, I feel the same way actually, like when I started to wear the Nakar bills, I just felt more conscious of my actions and what I was doing and behavior. So it helped me to be like to have more higher, you know, I know mm-hmm. some people naturally they're just that have this shyness anyways and I do consider myself generally to be quite a shy person but at the same time I can be like really you know maybe sometimes you know sometimes you can do things which is not in the keeping with like being modest you know sometimes right. so yeah I, I feel like the niqab has really helped me with that alhamdulillah so yeah I definitely agree, I agree. with that point alhamdulillah mm-hmm. alhamdulillah sister thank you so much um uh, like giving me your time today and talking about your your reverts um journey as well with us sharing that and obviously your niqab story alhamdulillah i'm sure that the sisters listening will really benefit inshallah especially because you're in the medical industry as well i think there's been some sisters recently have asked me about um maybe speaking to uh, like people in the medical industry doctors and otherwise um you know who wear the niqab as well because people are interested in you know the practical side of things and how you kind of you know do your day-to-day work and life and everything mm-hmm. so alhamdulillah i'm glad yeah. that um, i'm wishes to anybody you know um, mm-hmm. and i hope that this does inspire somebody you know to get out there and put on a niqab inshallah 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 jazakallah khair sister assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh